to think we, used, we were alike. I mean, we were similar. We had something together, like this. You know what I mean? We thought alike, we felt the same way. But you, fuck you. This week in my favorite Australian slang, I learned a new term that is easily the most fucked up but best term that I've ever heard. And I I, I, I I want to try to figure out how to use this in a professional setting. This is my least favorite of your obsessions. No. You're not, <laughs> get ready. So uh, so if you are ever in a position where you are trying – actually, you know what? I'm not going to explain it. I'm going to just say it, and I'm going to let you guess what it means. Mm. All right. Here's the slang. <clears throat> We're not here to fuck spiders. It's very Australian because I feel like that <laughs> happens all the time. That's how they get so big. They're part human. <laughs> we're we're not here to fuck spiders. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I get it, I'm I'm trying to think of something funny, but I can't. So I'm just assuming that it just means like we're not here to fuck around. That's exactly what it means. Well, see, there you go. Hey, I could be an Australian. You don't know. So so. Here's the thing, though. Like, I am somebody who studies this stuff too much and, and does this thing where... <laughs> oh, now you're a linguist. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, no, I study this stuff too much in the sense that, like, I, I, I take apart the phrasing and I take apart the words. And I, and I kind of try to figure out where this came from. So, I imagine that this phrase comes from the space where somebody went to a meeting and they weren't paying attention because they were trying to fuck spiders. <laughs> and they were like, "Hey, mate, we're not here to fuck spiders." Yeah, why don't you take that on down to Macca's? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, there, there is a, there is a, 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 a situation where there had to be the inverse, right? Because for every situation, there is an equal opposite. Like, there is a situation that's the opposite of that, right? Like, for everything there is. So if there is a situation, if there is a situation where somebody has to say, we're not here to fuck spiders, then the opposite has to be true, yes? That you are here. At some point, someone was there to fuck spiders. (laughs) And and it was not productive, obviously. How do you, I mean, look. You know, far be it from me to to speculate. I know this is a show that is grounded in hard-hitting journalism. But how do you fuck a spider? Because, look, man, I personally, I want them wiped off the face of the earth. They're not, they don't belong here on my planet. Ever since I stepped in one when I was a little kid and the babies went everywhere. And I, I it, it was very late at night and I was trying not to wake my parents up. So I was silently screaming, ha, <laughs> ha. Well, I was—I didn't have anything to kill them with. All I had—this is how you know it was the '90s. I had a rolled-up fucking TV guide, and I was bashing. And we had no spray, so I was just drowning them in Lysol. And still, uh-huh. some of them got away. And and I, you know, it just—it's a horror every time I think about it. And and I, I to 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 get your genitals anywhere near one. Well, pff, you should be in jail. Yeah, well, especially Australian spiders because I feel like they are just more dangerous. Like not not only not only are they like way more poisonous, but I feel like they carry buoy knives with them. <laughs> Ask me on a knife. <laughs> oh, I'm a spider. I can't even carry a knife, dude. They are. Um, it's it's a it's a real it's a real fucking nightmare over there, from what I hear. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, I so I supervised or I, I had supervised somebody that was in Australia and they live in Darwin. 
uh, which is supervise someone who lives in Australia. So I, I do it via zoom. So like, I'll do it remotely. So, uh, but my favorite kid never turns his camera on and like, just pretends he's listening. See, I I go through that every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This is actually a person who wants to learn. So this is somebody, this is an adult person who wants to learn. And so she, she is, she'll like kind of just drop these like random things. And I'm like, excuse me. Like, I understand the context because I can put together the context clues, but I don't know what you just said. So please explain to me what going pear shaped means. <laughs> I mean, like when shit, go, when shit goes wrong. Yeah. It's when things go sixes and sevens, right? I'm not as familiar with that one. But then well, again, but, <laughs> but then again, I'm not a linguist. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, my point is, is that uh, I feel like American slang needs to catch up because I don't think that it's as good, right? Is like a, I don't. Isn't that a, a Gaslight Anthem album? American slang. <laughs> it's actually. Go, yeah. That's Jersey. probably my. That's probably my favorite Gaslight Anthem record, by the way. Really? That's an yeah. interesting observation. Yeah, I know. I thought you'd be stoked about that uh, that particular bit of conversation. Anyway, my point is this, is that Australia is way ahead of the game when it comes to slang, and we are sorely missing out. Like, we have, like, oh, it's raining cats and dogs. Oh, that's very cool. That's very cute. That's more of an idiom. Yeah, well, so is not fucking a spider, but here we are. Well, like, I don't know they, why they're on a whole other level. up on a fucking pedestal. I mean, they got... Uh... Well, well, they got crabs the size of your head. They got spiders the size of your car. Like, here's the thing: if there was a if there was a spider the size of our car showing up in the United States, like, there's no way that Americans are tough enough to survive that. Like in Australia, guns, be like, man. don't yeah, don't but- you don't you talk shit about the eagle? We got a lot of guns. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk shit about the eagle. What is that? What is that phrase? So uh, my point is this: is that um, Australians are the most badass compared to literally any other country. Mm. Well, you know, I'll tell you, I'll take John McLean over Hugh Jackman any day. And yes, I know one of them is fictional. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to I Don't Want to Hear It. I'm Mikey. And I'm Shane. And we're back with another, yeah, another one in one R5. So this will be our 41st episode of this. So that means we've done 410 separate items on these lists. Mm, that's a lot. I'm also you know a mathematician. I, I, I So I was I was wondering if I repeated anything so far, and I definitely have. When I picked Archangel for my Forgotten Freshness last one-on-one, I did it like way, way back. But did you? I, yeah, I did. I did. Did you take notes on that? Uh, Well, I apparently you didn't put it in your spreadsheet, guy. Mmm. Okay. Now you're gonna try to tell me what I said. What what words came out of my own mouth? What? So you said for for what? Forgotten freshness? Yeah, it was for forgotten freshness. Let's see. Real quick, let's check the spreadsheet. I don't believe the spreadsheet. Okay, the spreadsheet is flawed. It's made by a human being. Oh, you're right. Uh, I did a life once lost, and you did Archangel. Um, the episode after we did convicted and Sam I am, and the episode after that we did monument. Okay, we don't. We don't need – this is not interesting to anybody. <laughs> this is inside, inside baseball. We're inside uh-huh. of the baseball. This shit's spreadsheet shit. Okay. Well, so speaking of Forgotten Freshness, why don't we go ahead and just get it over with. Whoop, it's time whoop. for a Forgotten Freshness. Oh, I did it too soon. All right. Boop, boop. I'm in an ape suit. That means I don't give a fuck. Shut the fuck up, I'm 
my pick, I picked a band with the awesome name of X-Hoarder. X-Hoarder? X-Hoarder. Not like someone who used to hoard and, you know, then they came in with the trucks and cleared it out. X-Hoarder. I don't know what That's how I typed it. Well, it's E-X-H-O-R-D-E-R, which is actually pertinent information for anyone who wants to look them up. Now, X-Hoarder was a metal band. Well, actually, technically, they still are. Uh, but they were formed in 1985 in New Orleans. Ah. New Orleans. Uh, and so the band came out. They, like, debuted as a straight-up thrash metal band, as most bands did or want to do in the 80s. Um, they did a couple of demos, and then they did a 1989 self-released LP called Slaughter in the Vatican, which is a sentiment I can get behind. we got to do something <laughs> with these fucking priests, okay? Um, but then uh, the self-released record was re-released by Roadrunner in 1990. Now, eventually, X Hoarder turned into a groove metal band. They got okay. groove uh, on the record called The Law, which came out in 1992. Now, what's interesting about this band is that they sound exactly like Pantera. I mean, okay. to a T. Okay. Uh, Cowboys slash vulgar Pantera. That's where they're at. Okay. But the thing is, nobody seems positive on who did it first. They're both from New Orleans. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, at least they both have both their band members, at least half of Pantera is hailed from New Orleans. Cowboys from Hell was released in 1990, but X Quarter okay. had released their Get Rude demo in 86. But they didn't really fully tap into that Pantera-esque sound until 92 with The Law, which is the record that I would recommend everybody listen to. It's fucking awesome. Okay. So it seems like, if you're looking at discographies, Cowboys from Hell came first, which would kind of put Pantera as the originators of the Pantera sound, which is going to be known as, no matter what, uh, no matter who did it first, Pantera did it best. Right. Fans of X-Hoarder uh, would disagree. They're very contrarian. So the law, as I said, if you married cowboys from hell and vulgar display of power and you took out all of Phil's Cemetery Gates opera parts, uh-huh. you got you got a pretty damn good record. It's all groove, all heavy, all riff, all punch. But it's I- I'll say this. It's good. It's great. But it's not it's not Pantera. It's not as good as Pantera. It's just not. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It's a great record. You should listen to it. But it's not as good as both of those records that I just mentioned are. Okay. So and and another difference is vocalist Kyle Thomas. He hits his name. He has a far less cool name <laughs> than Phil and Selmo. He sounds like he drinks a lot of monsters. Yeah, Kyle Thomas and Phil. Um, but they do at this point in their careers sound almost identical. Uh, but Phil did kind of go on to expand his range more and become a legend. And little Kyle's not so much. Um, right. X Hoarder broke up in '94. They got back together a bunch of times. Now, recently, 2019. They released their third and most recent album, Mourn the Southern Skies, which is a cool title, but it's not really a necessary record, and it's a little too polished, in my opinion, but that's just me. You might like it, so check it out. Uh, Regardless, I think Slaughter in the Vatican is a decent thrash record, but like most thrash bands from the 80s, Carnivore is uh, unbelievably better. Uh, And The Law is a fantastic Pantera-esque metal record, regardless of who did it first. Like I said, hey, Pantera... Ended up doing it better, but X Hoarder's yeah. worth a listen, so check it out. I uh two things. One, they are it seems to be that they are on the Hum record release schedule where they yeah. release records twenty years after. Um but second, 
associated acts include Heavy as Texas and Alabama Thunder Pussy, which is a band I forgot existed. Yeah, Alabama Thunder Pussy. <laughs> That's, what a great name what for a band. What a great band. You guys remember what Alabama Thunder Pussy? Like, I don't <laughs> Have you seen my Alabama Thunder Pussy tattoo? Forgot hey, mom, all about that fucking band. Mom, can can you do the wash? My Alabama Thunder Pussy shirt <laughs> is in the machine. I think about when I discovered that band, and at the time I was still young enough that I was like making Christmas lists. Mm-hmm. So like, I really want the new Green Day. I really want this Pantera record. And if you can find, if Santa, if you can bring me the Alabama Thunder Pussy record, that will be rad too. <laughs> fucking awesome. All right, so my band this week is a band out of. Uh, Britain, uh, Brighton, Britain. Hello. Uh, hello, Govna. Right. Uh, Mrs. Vicious is stoked about this band. Um, they are called Nar Narwolves. Do you remember Narwolves? Yeah, I remember Narwolves. They're a good band. Yeah, they were fun. So they they formed in 2011. Uh, so they've been a band that long. Um, and they are a three piece. They are Tom Weeks, Charlie Piper, and Max Weeks, which are all. The most English names I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, you might as well call them, like, Biscuit T-Face. Yeah, 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 yeah. London Fog, right? <laughs> so um, so this band is a three-piece, and they are just really good, fast, like, snotty punk rock. Like, that's the best way I can describe them, like, kind of melodic. And, and I'm going to talk about another band later, and they could probably tour with that band. Um, but they have, like, this really good melody. A lot of songs are really short, really quick. Um, and uh, and they're just, they're just like, a fun band. So, stylized, the band's name is Narwolves, spelled G-N-A-R-W-O-L-V-E-S, right? Narwolves. Um, and they have this really great discography, um, which includes uh, things like... Their self-titled full-length, Outsiders, Chronicles of Narnia, which is a compilation album, uh, which includes some of their EPs like Fun Club, Crew, Fun Employed, and Adolescence. Now, if you get a chance to listen to this band, I recommend going to listen to Fun Employed. That's how I discovered them, and it's a nice, quick little slice of good, fast punk rock. Um, Adolescence is fun, but uh, like I said, Fun Employed. Fun Employed is the one that really hooked me. Uh, their full lengths are pretty good. Um, fun Club is a fun little record. Chronicles of Narnia kind of takes o- like takes all that stuff and puts it onto one album. So um, that's not too bad. But Narwhals and Outsiders are also just good punk records. So I just recommend going to listen to them. I remember, and even this is something I would recommend too, is if you get a chance, go watch the video for the song Tongue Surfer. Because that, to me, was like a really great, like picture of like a really close like basement like sweaty shitty punk show um and i just watched it before we started recording this and i was like oh i remember those um but the I one thing that stands out those. to me i remember hating that i remember being miserable at that but also seeing good bands um mm. but one of the things that stuck out to me and this is something that any musician will experience as you watch it is that the bass player is missing a tuning peg on the bass which means that they're missing a string so they're playing three strings on a bass instead of four, and that is upsetting to me. What is this, the President of the United States of America? I mean, come on. I thought it was America. <laughs> good, good. Oh, these guys Got are from England. Sorry, from England. What is Got it? Oh, this was America. Yeah, that's, you, you totally nailed it, whatever that was. So anyway, go listen to Narwhals. Uh, Fun Employed is a great record, and uh, you can't really go wrong with, with uh, anything else. Also, Chronicles of Narnia, I, I learned, was put out on Pure Noise. Pure, pure noise. 
That's cool, man. They're so good. They're so good at what they do. Yeah. What, pure noise or nar- narwhals? Uh, pure noise. I mean, narwhals is cool, but I mean, you know, I'm not going to give them yeah. that kind of a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not at that stage. That's fine. I mean, let's so, not get crazy here. All right. Well, uh, I mean, that's all I've got for that. So should we do some lists and shit? The lists. Lists. Since you are uh, quick to make fun of me for being a nerd, I'm going to lean heavy into this this week. Um, and my number five, yeah, uh, oh, oh, your intelligence is so beyond. Oh, you just glad hand in your own asshole. Yeah. Anyway, my point is, is that my number five is uh, what I would describe as a great equalizer in any field. Uh, that when people get worried and upset about um, putting people on pedestals, you can kind of take a step back and be like, fuck you, we're all on the same level. And so my number five is new research in the fields. <laughs> that sounds like a sick record, man. <laughs> new research. It sounds like a, I don't know, it sounds like some fucking math rock band. Uh, like It's like sounds like some Shins record somewhere or some stupid indie band. It's the new book, CP. <laughs> yeah, it's called New Research, and it's just samples of people screaming into tunnels. Anyway, my point is this, is that uh, research is this really cool thing where uh, basically the way that I learned what research was is, is you're taking you're, – you're discovering something new about the world that we live in, and you are adding a brick to the wall of our, our scientific literature, which is kind of a nice thought, right? We're adding another brick to the wall, um, anti-Pink Floyd – uh, metaphors and things like that but well it depends on if you're the wall is to keep something in or keep something out if it's good or not uh if we're building the house of knowledge michael then it's good thing okay i'm just saying okay know. we're building another room on the house of knowledge anyway my point is this is like so so one thing that i really like about research is that you know in in my field specifically everybody kind of puts these people on pedestals, right? There's these great authors and these great researchers and these great people that are these great speakers. And they all kind of like, Oh, I, I can't wait to see this person speak. And I can't wait to do this. And I can't wait to get to this level. And blah, 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 blah. Like it's everybody gets put on a pedestal because they've done some work or they speak or, you know, and it, and it just kind of reminds everybody like, Oh, Oh good. You got your training here. Like it's just this bullshit. Like it's a pissing contest and it's, and it's just bogus because there's a lot of really great people in my field that do a lot of good work that never get the same recognition for any number of reasons. What I really like about reading new research though, is this idea that at the same time, when this research comes out, every single person in our field that reads it is on the same level. Like everybody learns this new thing about our world at the same time. And to me, that is awesome like that was one of the best things to get me out of like my own imposter syndrome bullshit because like i'll catch myself i'm like somebody's gonna figure me out like somebody's gonna find like a video of me like in high school jumping into a bush (laughs) pretending to be some like jackass idiot right like or like or me standing in the background while somebody else is doing that going hey guys don't do that that's dangerous because that's probably what i was doing your advantage as a healthcare professional though (laughs) it's like oh he relates (laughs) He relates. So, but I, I really like the idea of being able to discover new information at the same time. I like that it takes those people that are that have been doing it for a 10, 15, 20 years, 50 years, and it takes those people that just got certified 
and puts them all on the same playing field. We all have this new research. We all have this new article. And we all get to learn this new bit of information at the same exact time. And I, I, I really like that um, as like a way to kind of just learn more about the world that we live in. So what's the uh, newest piece of research in your field? Oh, let me tell you, Michael. Would you like to hear about um, using telehealth to provide outpatient follow-up to children with avoidant restrictive food intake disorders? Just put me in jail, please. How about Motivate, a smartphone-based contingency management intervention to promote smoking cessation? It's that language that truly paralyzes me with anger and dread when i hear the term pedagogy i want to fucking find a cliff and drive right off of it here's one more maybe this one might be this one might sound interesting don't talk about scaffolding to me please uh this one i think this one will be this one's written by somebody who is actually very popular in our field uh manned compliance as a contingency controlling problem behavior a systematic review get me a knife you don't none of those sound interesting to you that, I mean, look, in education, we, we get we have to go through trainings like that all the time. And I mean, look, I, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but I get the general vibe of the room. We're we're checked out. It's hard unless you have that type of mind the, to penetrate the vagueness of that sort of nomenclature. It's like I can't, I can't do it. I can't yeah. do it. I would rather just beat my own ass with a hammer. Yeah, well, there was this really great thing on Twitter that was like, turn your favorite like '80s or like t- turn your favorite cartoon as a ch- from a, from your childhood into a dissertation topic, and it w- and mine was something like um, uh, an evaluation of genetic factors that contribute to martial arts skills in adolescent reptiles. I got it. I get it. It's a Ninja Turtles reference, right? I anyway, got my point. So anyway, my point is is that. Research research is the great equalizer, and I really like that idea of just, like, p- taking people off a pedestal and putting everybody on the same playing field. So that's my number five, research. Denzel was also a great equalizer. I don't get that reference. Holding out for part three. That's all I'm saying. I don't understand what you're saying. The equalizer. Denzel. It was great. Both. Is that a movie? Uh, okay. So I'm going to take it right down immediately. Uh, uh, yeah, let's do it. Um, so for my number five, this is the headline of an article that I came across. Yet another person was killed in a gender reveal explosion. <laughs> here's, the, here's the deets. A 26-year-old man at a gender reveal party, not for his kid, uh, was killed when a, quote, Small cannon device sprayed him with metal shrapnel. <laughs> Good lord! Look out! You're the hey man. Come to my gender reveal party. Just gotta worry. There's like all the grenades over here, and and then there's like the 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 knives and the the fucking bayonets. It's like why is this there? What if they shot the wrong person? Like what if somebody else's blood was blue or pink, and they shot the wrong guy? Like that was part of the the reveal. Now, this particular article that I read, they seem to have more of a problem with the fact that it's just really gender reductionist to throw a gender reveal party. Not so much that Uncle Mike's face was shredded by a makeshift claymore. (laughs) (laughs) So that irritated me. This is not an isolated incident. 
Okay, a few people have been killed over the past few years. The most notable being the Arizona border agent, Dennis Dickey, who <laughs> shot a target in the middle of an arid desert to reveal the gender of his kid mm-hmm. and sparked the 47,000-acre sawmill fire, which basically caused $8 million in damage. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some hard truths now. I don't know who's listening, but maybe someone's planning on doing this couple things folks mm-hmm. no one not even your friends probably most of your family no one cares about your spawn what kind of monster are you going to raise when the kid's not even born and people are just blowing up shit to celebrate their impending birth this is how you wind up with a dictator a tyrant yeah before i was born they were setting the world on fire of course i'm special these people have nothing in their lives. Nothing. And I think it would be sad if it wasn't so unendingly stupid. If you ever, ever needed proof that we are in the waning days of an empire inexorably sliding over a cliff, look no further. You gotta throw a gender reveal party and someone dies, they should have you should have to forfeit your kid to a complete stranger. <laughs> You're not ready. These parties are stupid, and I feel like anyone who does one, uh, you should be kidnapped off the street in an unmarked van and taken to an undisclosed location. They should put you Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> you are an arch criminal if you're doing this. I, I just, I don't get it, and I know that I don't have children, and there's always that thing where, where a lot of my, a lot of people I know have kids, they'll be like, you'll understand when you have kids. I won't understand this. I, di- I just won't ever understand it, and I think people just, it's that whole syndrome of thinking, you're more important you're more unique, you're more clever than you actually are, which is to say yeah. that you're not any of those things. And your kid right. is 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 not going to be any of those things either. So just just accept it. Well, I always thought it was weird like uh like the the idea of blowing shit up to tell people to like to tell the world your baby has a dick. Yeah. Like that's all that is. That's like nobody cares. Like, oh, like okay, cool. Now we get a Tommy or a Tammy. Like, great, whatever. Like, if that's if that's the rate you're going or like the way you're going, but it just doesn't they don't make any sense. Like they they like from a social standpoint, they don't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, it's like it doesn't even matter what the gender of the kid is now anyway. You can't go out and buy him anything anywhere, which is something that I'll get to later cuz everything's <laughs> fucking closed. Yeah, Toys R Us exactly. is gone. Babies R Us is 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 in the in the rear view. Okay. Yeah. I remember when your son was born. <laughs> His first birthday. Uh, Amelia and I we were just out doing errands together one day, just hanging, and we went. I was I gotta get Shane's kid a birthday present. <laughs> and I go in into Babies R Us, and I realized like everything. Everything has the has the possibility to kill a one year old. Uh huh. Yeah. It's like you don't like. What if my gift was the one that did it? Like I couldn't. I couldn't live with myself. Yeah. It's it's weird being a parent because like your entire thing is like keeping another human alive for at least eighteen years. Yeah. I don't think I could do it, man. Yeah. Speaking of that, speaking of that, this month Riley gets her her learner's permit. Oh God, help us. Yep. Anyway. All right. That's a good number five. I agree with that. I agree. I'm I'm glad that that Uncle Mike got a, got shrapnel to the face. Yeah, it was from my tight five from a couple years ago. Uh, 
So, my number four is going to be, um, let's see. I'm trying to think of the, the order. I'm going to go with the record. Okay, so my number four is the record. Um, I don't have, like, a like a set like a set order this time. I'm just going to kind of flow with it. Oh, um, yeah, man. Just off the dome. Freestyle. It always, it. it always works. It always works. So my number four is a record. Uh, last week we had talked about this band, and I forgot how much I love this band, but specifically I love this record because this is the record that I discovered them with. I didn't realize that this band was a rock juggernaut until I heard this album. And Jock my number not. four... <laughs> uh, my number four is Clutch's Robot Hive Exodus. Nice. Yeah. I don't so, think I've listened to that one. I've, I've listened to a bunch of their records, but not that one. Dude, this one is... I think this is my favorite because this is the one that's got Burning Beard on it. Like, So this is the oh, one that like... Then I have listened to that one. Yeah, I was going to say, you had to have. This was like their, their big hit record. Now, if you're not familiar with Clutch, they are straight up a rock and roll band. They are a rock and roll band through and through. There's some like fun blues like i mean they sound like if on ps5 let's say on the new gaming system don't talk about NAS- it. it's making me sad nascar decided to put together a racing game and only put, and they got to pick the soundtrack mm. like they sound like they would be on the soundtrack because they are so bluesy and rocky like but they would be so out of place because bands like leonard skinnerd would also be on there and clutch would laugh at bands like leonard skinnerd because they're not rock enough. Because they're not think, rock enough. I don't think Clutch would ever laugh at Leonard Skinner. I think they would. Because I I think that Clutch is that that rock and roll. <sighs> really disagree. Okay, that's fine. So, uh, <laughs> Robot Hive Exodus is 14 great songs. 15 if you count the bonus track, Slow Hold of China. Uh, but... They're known for their really kind of bizarre, interesting lyrics. Um, like, let's say you've got the song number seven, uh, which is called one zero 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 one 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 zero one zero one. Okay, that's the song that's in uh, specifically binary code. Mm. Uh, you've got Burning Beard, which is uh, total nonsense when you listen to the lyrics. Uh, <laughs> like, really, but my favorite is... The, the opener which starts off with this really great like blues rock riff um like it just like it just kicks off as like like in uh and so the dude that sings for this band kicks off right he kicks off this story about uh basically running like like running from the law and the lyrics go like the first vo- verse is this first we get some surgery Lose the kids, then our identities. But one more thing I know for a fact, mustache stays right where it's at. And then he goes, REO Speedwagon, Kansas to Boston, my ankle bracelet, already gone and lost it. <laughs> and yeah, the chorus is awesome. this. The chorus is this. Stole my Camaro, primal gray, took my suitcase, all my pay. Like, and he just, it's so fucking good. The whole, the whole album is good. It's just fun. This song is about stealing a Camaro. It's about being on the run. It's about keeping your mustache when you change your identity. It's just fantastic, man. I love this band so much. And I forgot how much I loved Clutch until you brought him up the other day. And he's like, God damn it. That record is so good. But literally everything they do is awesome. Like, 
their entire discography. Uh, if you want to go listen to uh, the Elephant Riders, Pure Rock Fury, Blast Tyrant, which came out the year before, Robot Hive Exodus, um, Strange Cousins from the West, Earth Rocker, Psychic Warfare, their last one, Book of Bad Decisions, they're all great. They're just good rock and roll records. Yeah, they're all so, really great records. It's it's fun stuff. So anyway, that's my number four. Go listen to Robot Hive Exodus by Clutch and uh, avoid the lobster backs. Well, actually, it's it's kind of a, a cool synchronicity that you picked that one because keeping it in that same vein of like turbocharged stoner rock from fucking Mars, I got a band that really kind of goes hand in hand with Clutch. And okay. I didn't get into them until I kind of started listening to clutch more and i kind of opened my ears to the to the decidedly for me at least ignored genre of stoner rock not sludge metal right and stoner rock there's a difference so i got a record by a band okay that record is called power trip by a band called monster magnet <laughs> You know what? I need to go back and listen to this record because I haven't listened to it since I was a kid. Um, I got it when I sent in the stamps. Um, I got it with like, uh, like this. Yeah, I, yeah, I got it with this. So I got, uh, I got Sublime self-titled. I got Godzilla soundtrack, and I got Monster <laughs> Magnet and Power Band Five Thousand and some shit like that. I remember getting the single, uh, Puff Daddy cassette single with Jimmy Page on cassette for Godzilla soundtrack. It's so bad. Oh, it's terrible. But, you know, it's not terrible as Monster Magnet. Now, I never really understood. I didn't know this band at all. I thought they were just like some weird alternative band from the 90s. They're not. They're, they started in 1989. They're an American rock band. You can call them hard rock. You can call them stoner rock, whatever. If you dig Clutch or you know what Clutch sounds like, you're pretty much more than halfway there with Monster Magnet. Um, they are from Red Bank, New Jersey, which I believe is where Kevin Smith calls home. And they look like they're from New Jersey. Yeah, the singer especially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looks like fucking Richard Grieco. Uh, so that guy is Dave Windorf. And he does, he's the main vocalist and guitar, and he's the only really uh, constant member. <laughs> he is Monster Magnet. Yeah, he's the Monster Magnet. He, the band has released, I said he, like, yeah, I mean, kind of he, uh, has released 10 studio albums to date since 1989. But they're best known for those 1990s hits, Negasonic Teenage Warhead, which is <laughs> yeah. off Do- Dopes to Infinity, that's 95, um, and Space Lord off the record that I'm talking about, Power Trip. Yes. You might remember the single from the 90s if you were listening to alternative rock radio, The Crow, back then. It had the, the chorus, space load, mother, mother. But yeah. you know, I always thought they censored it for the radio and that it was there was an uncensored version. Not so. They changed it in the studio. The uncensored version does not exist, apparently. <laughs> so instead of space lord, motherfucker, you got space lord, mother, mother. Yeah. Um, which is just as good, to be honest. So, yeah. as far as Monster Magnet goes, for anyone who doesn't, who's just kind of like, why would you pick this fucking band? Riff heavy, great yeah. vocals, a sound that could be described as big. Um, pretty long songs, like stoner stoner metal or uh, sludge metal uh, length of songs, you know, uh, seven minutes, eight minutes, but a lot of them sit around the four and five minute uh, area. But for the most part, I didn't even notice because of the fucking stone cold groove, man. (laughs) 
I had my I had my headphones on. I was just chilling back, just listening to it. I play I was playing Bloodborne for a little bit, and then I just kind of sat and I was listening like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So great lyrics, much like Clutch. I, I would say Clutch has better lyrics, but Monster Magnets are a good contender. So the the lyrics make no sense. They're just badass. So yeah, here's a few from Third Eye Landslide is one of my favorite songs off this record. All things are looking good from where I sit. Or in the United States, a who gives a shit? Sucking <laughs> love from wherever I can. Cashing Satan's checks with my dick in my hand. <laughs> it's so badass. And then there's the song Tractor. I got a nail in my head and I know that I'm gone when I'm driving the tractor on the drug farm. Got a knife in my back, got a hole in my arm when I'm driving the tractor on the drug farm. <laughs> So, like we were just kind of saying for your pick, you know, I, I, I never disliked Clutch. Over the years I've listened to him, you know, I thought it was cool, but it was something, it's a sound, it's a style that I just had to kind of come to on my own before I got really, like, uh, enamored of it. Yeah. And I have seen Clutch live, and they're fucking badass. It was great. I was half expecting, with how good they were, I half expected him to light his beard on fire, but it didn't happen. Yeah. No, he wouldn't do that. I, I, you know, I did Clutch and and Monster Magnet right next to them now. Uh, that's definitely a band that I'm going to dig a little deeper into their discography. I've listened to Power Trip a couple of times. I dig it. Dopes to Infinity. I've listened to some of the songs. That's the record that precedes it, and uh, it's it's pretty fucking righteous. So, <laughs> uh, I would highly recommend uh, Power Trip by Monster Magnet. It is it's a scene, man. Yeah, dude, I, I'm looking at like I because I forgot that they had put out so many records before Power Trip, but didn't realize they put so many out after. Yeah. Um, dude, I love it. Like, like some of the names of these records, like Spine of God, Super yeah. Judge, uh, God Says No, and Monolithic Baby. Yeah, like, Monolithic I'm into it, baby. That's a, that's one that I want to listen to Fucking... based on the title alone. <laughs> yeah, so stoked. I mean, they still are putting out records as as late as 2018. They put out Mindfucker in 2018. <laughs> hey, man. All right, Monster Magic. <laughs> All right. All right, here we go, yeah. number three is a book um and kind of going back to the idea of just uh my just just the stuff that i like to read for work and like the stuff that i'm interested in that's kind of been the kick that i've been in lately um like i currently have my stack of books that i'm reading and i'm i'm in the middle of reading like the black flag story um and i'm reading the ruined map by kobo abe <clears throat> so i i'm hoping that like I don't know, like the horse dick doctor shows up again like in secret rendezvous um because japanese writing is fucking weird Every now and again, I really try to veer away from the fiction stuff and, and even some of the nonfiction stuff that I'm interested in and spend some time reading books that actually like benefit me as a practitioner and a, and a doctor. Your doctor. I, I'm currently reading a book called How to Rethink Human Behavior, and I think this is probably one of the most important books for just understanding how behavior analysts analyze behavior in general, um, but also how we create like these like possibilities. Like we do a possibility analysis kind of is what they kind of get into. The whole idea behind this book, the doctor that wrote this is fucking nuts. And it's so good. Um, he 
wanted to get a better idea of how to contextualize behavior and understand behavior, like, as you're observing it. Like, so all of us have probably gone to the mall and done people watching and just kind of sat back and watched all the things that happened and just made up stories about these people. I do more people cursing, but yeah, I, I get your point. I mean, I do people cursing too, but a lot of times I'll be like, yeah, I bet that guy, uh, I bet that guy keeps like a soggy wad of dollar bills, like stuffed in his socks because like his shitty kids want to steal it all the time or something like that. Like I'll say stuff like that, like kind of make up these bad stories. Look at this pig. Look at this piece of shit over here buying a, like buying a Mario Kart eight. Doesn't he know that game is outdated? Real piece of shit. So my point is, is this, it's like this, this is a book that gives you this really cool contextual analysis for understanding how behavior might operate and allows you to take a step out of your kind of all of your assumptions and be able to kind of create possibilities about why somebody might do something. So like in the first chapter, they do this thing. They, they do this like kind of like the scenario where they say, okay, so uh, a child um, has dropped a, a, a stuffed bear in a store the and the mom puts it back on the shelf without without the child noticing. And so you're like, why would somebody do that? And so it goes into all these possibilities. Like they didn't want the person to steal. They didn't have the money. They didn't want the child to see that they got put back. Um, maybe it was, maybe they, 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 um, maybe it was somebody else's. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that kind of goes into this analysis, but it's really cool because it gives you this opportunity to kind of take a step back from your own personal biases, right? Like your own, like, assumptions about what somebody does or why somebody does it. Like we do this in the car, right? So we're driving and somebody cuts you off. And what's the first thing you think? Like this person's a fucking asshole, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Burst into flames, go to hell, die. Yeah. Yeah. Go to hell, die. And that person's like, then when you go and you're like, okay, this person's like driving somebody to the emergency room because they're bleeding out in their back seat, And you're like, Oh, I'm in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Is this fucking reservoir dogs over here? Yeah. 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 So like, so that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, so, so we attribute like and blame people for situations without doing the perspective taking. And this just gives you like this really concise and clear way to do perspective taking. The backbone of the story is this doctor went to go live. He's from Australia. So this is part of where my Australia stuff comes from. They fuck spiders. Okay. And he fucks spiders. No, he went to His wife is uh, a tarantula. It, <laughs> it's very strange that he's had a lot of kids. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> all of his kids have like, I don't know, six legs. What's a ha- what's an in between? What's yeah, an average? I think Five six legs would be in between. Yeah, six would be in between. Anyway, so what's um what's interesting is he went and lived with an Aboriginal tribe for a year before he decided to like implement any behavior change. Before he really started to study them, like he just went and lived with them and learned their customs to be able to actually contextualize this. And so the book is based on kind of that experience. Uh, and it's really interesting. It's just a really interesting book. And it's really, I think that anybody who is a behavior analyst should read it. But I think anybody who is not a behavior analyst who wants to understand kind of how to really analyze behavior, this is a really great way to do it. So that's my number three is How to Rethink Human Behavior by Bernard Guren. Bernard. Bernard. Bernard Gary. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't. It's not, I, I, I can never do an Australian accent. Oh, um, I just want to say something so I don't forget it. When you said Rock Juggernaut earlier, I said Jock Ruggernaut, and I feel uh-huh. like that could be a character on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> now it's in the episode. I will not forget. Yeah, Jock Ruggernaut, huh? Jock <laughs> in a world. <laughs> All right. So, uh, for my number three, I have chosen a film. Mm. <laughs> mm. A film. So you give me shit. You give me shit about stuff, and you're like a film critic. I'm, I, I, dude. Look, when it comes to movies, I'm always punching up. Okay, and I think I have pretty goddamn good taste, and uh, I don't waste my time with shit that is dumb. 
Uh, so, <laughs> I don't know. That didn't help my case. Anyway, the movie that I watched is called The Little Things. Hmm. I want to say I've heard of this. Yeah, it is Colby Calais' biography. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. Oh, gotcha. No, it's not. That, that, was a, that was a twist. I was like, I know who's in this movie, and that would be a very strange biography. Hey, I'm like from Hawaii. Have, she probably pronounces it Hawaii. And uh-huh. you know, she's like the female Jack Johnson. Who gives a shit? Anyway, The Little Things is a 2021 American. Now, this is from the Wikipedia page and from the IMD page. It calls they call it a neo noir crime thriller film. It, it's it's a it's a drama. It's a dark crime film. Okay. It was written and directed by a guy named John Lee Hancock, whose other <laughs> other credits include the uh, The Blind Side. Uh, oh okay the alamo which i didn't even know was a movie he did the founder with michael keaton which i didn't watch but i mean it seemed interesting at least i didn't know if i really wanted to watch a whole movie about ray Kroc. um and the highwaymen with woody harrelson where it's like the cops going after bonnie and clyde but apparently it was very flawed but it was based yeah. on a book so i guess that's not really his fault i don't know i heard the founder was really good though yeah i mean it's just one of those movies it's like yeah it's cool but i'm probably not gonna watch it okay. um so anyway he wrote and directed this and the film stars, uh, funny that we mentioned him earlier. I mentioned him earlier because you have no taste. Uh, Denzel Washington, one of my favorites. Oh, okay. One of everybody's mm-hmm. favorites. I don't even need to say that. You say Denzel. It's like saying De Niro. Rami Malek, who I-, I would say is not one of my favorites, but he's pretty good in this movie. Jared Leto. Um, and speaking of Jared Leto, okay, so did you did you see the, the pictures from the Snyder Cut, the Joker? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, look, I watched the I watched just as an off topic detour here. I did watch the trailer for the Snyder Cut and uh it looks pretty cool. Listen, I I I like Zack Snyder and I think that mm-hmm. I, I wanna see what movie he put together because I think it's gonna be far more interesting than what was that, that horrific monstrosity that was put out. But I I and, and I will say this, I don't like Jared Leto as the Joker. I didn't like him in that version, but maybe maybe for this they've sort of toned it down. I don't know. He didn't have tattoos yeah. on his face. That which is great. Perfect. I yeah. hope he got them removed because that Joker fucking was the worst. Yeah, it was a big disappointment. And I had I had my hopes up because I, I was skeptical about Heath Ledger too until I saw his fucking face. I was like, oh no. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm actually looking forward to that. It's like two and a half extra hours of footage, man. I mean, there, there's, yeah. there's so much more story to be told. Oh yeah, and well, and also too, Jared Leto is great. Like that's the thing yeah. about Jared Leto; he's great in everything he does. He's a fucking piece of shit outside of that. But oh, yeah, he's, he's a total great fucking actor. douchebag. But like yeah. Dallas Buyers Club, he's fantastic. Fucking yeah. this movie, he's fantastic. But he's a fucking shitbag. Everything he's in, he's even great in Girl Interrupted. Uh, you know, I've never seen Girl Interrupted. Ah, uh, it's fine. <laughs> what a what a glowing review. So, yeah, Denzel, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto primarily are our stars. Here, there's a few other people. Um, I forget what his name is. Oh, Chris Bauer, the guy who played Sabaka in season two of The Wire. That guy's badass. He's yeah. in this a little bit. And so it's basically about – it's a serial killer story. And, I, you know, I love shit like that. It's very dark. Uh, it's very atmospheric. It has the vibe of Seven. It has the vibe of True Detective. I wouldn't say it's as good. But it does have that vibe. It's got, you know, flawed cops, just kind of it's, it takes place in L.A. And it's just this sort of this glimpsing the underbelly and just these guys have these 
all these personal issues and they become obsessed with this case and it's just all this darkness and negativity and i don't know why i'm drawn to movies like that but i am yeah the opening scene actually scared me and it's not really that scary but it's it's you know you don't know who the killer is you don't you don't really get it but um this girl is being followed on a road a rural road she's driving and she's just singing along and whatever and a car comes up real close, backs off, passes her, stops. You know, the guy's fucking with her. And yeah. it freaked me out because not to that degree, but that has happened to me before. Yeah. Dude, I was. I remember uh, several years ago, I was really bored on a Sunday. Nobody was around. This was when I was still single and, like, I was just living uh, alone in Port Orange. And I had played enough video games that weekend. And I'd, I'd gone to the gym. I'd cooked dinner. I was like, I'm going to go for a drive like a 65 year old shit <laughs> and i just drove 95 south and i got off in uh maybe it, may, it might have been melbourne maybe i was looking to finish that fight from the hate breed show and <laughs> i drove into this like so i was driving down this long road that leads into a state park there's a car uh -huh. parked on the side this is at like dusk it's still light but it's getting dark there's a car yeah. parked on the side there's nobody around and as i pass Zoop, pulls right out behind me not a cop car and couldn't even be mistaken for a cop car and right. i was driving and i see them getting a they didn't get right up on me but they were getting close and i was like that is strange so i fucking busted a you boom i went zoop, and i saw the guy stop and he almost turned and then he pulled back over and i fucking oh. got the fuck out of there I don't know what it was, but that's this opening scene. It kind of brought that back for me. So if that's ever happened to you. You get some, you'll be scared in the first scene. There is another okay. scene uh, towards the end of the movie. I won't spoil it. But it takes place in the desert and it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. This movie seems like it's going for a formulaic ending. And I was, as I was watching, I was like, I've dug it up to this point. I'm like, Oh shit. Are they really going to end it like this? Needless to say, it goes in a different direction, but okay. you got to watch it to find out. And, you know, there's no theaters open around here right now, but just, you know, it's on HBO Max. If you've got HBO Max, you can watch it, I think, for the rest of the month. And that sucks that that's what it is now. Like, I'm going to watch Godzilla vs. Kong on my couch because no movie theaters are open. At the same time, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword because I hate dealing with the public. I love going to the movies. I love it. It's, it's an amazing thing, but I hate people. And I'm not saying that when movie theaters open, I won't go back, but... I don't know. It, it it sucks. I don't want to have to watch it, but at the same time, I fucking will. So anyway, The Little yeah. Things is a pretty good crime movie. It's it's pretty high quality. Denzel's performance is amazing. Rami Malek did not piss me off like he did in those first three episodes of Mr. Robot, and then I quit the series. And uh, Jared Leto's <laughs> pretty damn good, too. So check yeah. it out. All right. I'm excited to see um, Jared Leto's Morbius. I think that'll be interesting. I mean, he's good at what he does. I mean, most actors are dickheads anyway. Yeah, he just runs a cult. I mean, that's the that's the problem. Like he runs, he just runs a cult, and that that is a significant issue. But his his art is good. Yeah, he runs a cult. I'm sure he does. We talked about that. Like we talked about that where he just like Spurious emerged from the desert, and he's like, well, like when he showed up out of the desert, and what was that? What happened? Like something happened. And he's like, oh, I didn't know that happened. It was like 12 days later, some fucking event happened. And he's like, what? He's just making because shit up to sound fucking uh, enlightened. Yeah. Lifted. <laughs> Lifted. I want to talk to Samson.
My number two is a band, and I'm going to recommend listening to their entire discography because everything that they have ever released is fantastic. Now, what's weird about this band is that they don't put out a lot of stuff, but when they do, it is pure gold. And I have a feeling that you'll, I yeah, I have a feeling you'll agree with me on this. Um, okay, at least on some level, this band is Slipknot. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, this band is a melodic hardcore band out of Massachusetts. Um, they are called No Trigger. Oh. Do you, Do you agree that everything they put out is great? Yeah, I dig that band. They're good. Yeah. So, um, they are misclassified on Wikipedia as pop punk and punk rock I and mean, like well just pop punk is the problem but they're like a melodic hardcore punk band um and kid they dynamite. yeah like kid dynamite like they definitely could like um take their sound from like strike anywhere none more black like like that type of like gainesville melodic punk rock so i really really dig them um they have only two full lengths officially they have canyoneer which came out in 2006 on Nitro, mm. um, and then Tycoon, which came out in 2012 on No Sleep. So they they have a pretty like extensive space between their 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 records. Now they did put out a full few uh, uh, specific like EPs and singles. Like they had world the world is not a stage. They had Extinction and Stereo, which was the first thing that I discovered from them. Um, and I think that you told me about them. Uh, it was, when it was right out. when like Crime and Stereo got signed to Nitro, and then there was like Nitro swiped up all these like newer melodic punk and hardcore bands, and yeah. so they were it was it was in it was in high circulation in our circle of friends. Yeah, for sure. And it was and then when Canyon Year came out, uh, it was two thousand six. It was March of two thousand six. So I had gotten it like, and I had been a dad for a month. So I don't remember listening to it, but I remember, um, like, I remember liking it when it came out. I remember pirating it and and like because I couldn't afford anything because my bank account was overdrawn by like seven hundred dollars. So I couldn't really um, purchase anything uh, unless I went to go get um, uh, what are those called when you go get the checks from Seven Eleven. No, it wasn't food stamps. I wasn't on food stamps. It was uh like Wick. something else where you get like no, it wasn't Wick either. It wasn't like a government taquitos. program. Like you had to, <laughs> I had to pay for everything in Taquitos. It was bullshit. Um No, it's like a cashier's check or something like that. Where you have to go to like seven eleven and like cash your check and they give you a oh, check. money order. Money orders. That's the fucking thing that I had to like pay everything in money orders because I couldn't afford to like put any money in my bank or else I would have <laughs> Yeah. For like for like six months I paid everything in money orders. Living like a fucking drug dealer. Yeah, it was the worst. That's little things that people don't know about the life that I lived because I never asked for help. So, um, anyway, my my point is, I just didn't. I just that's that's a fault. I'm not saying like I I didn't ask for help. I didn't need it. I was like I didn't ask for help because I'm stubborn and stupid. That was my issue. Um, my point is is that Canyoneer is great. Tycoon is great. But some of my favorite releases they put out would be Be Honest, which they put out in 2010. Everybody was like, no trigger broke up. Nobody knows what they're doing. And they're like, fuck you. Here's Be Honest. And it's one of the best things they ever put out. It's two songs. And the song Tooth is probably the best song they've ever written. And in like the, in 2017 on Bird Attack Records, which we've talked about several times, they put out Adult Braces, which is also a really great release. Yeah. Now – one thing that is like kind of they're known for is like having the snotty lyrics and the melody and like just really interesting guitar riffs and like just the stuff that catches you. Like everything about this band hooks you. Um, but they have this really snarky, stupid sense of humor that we also have. And it makes me laugh whenever I listen to them. Um, 
For example, somebody has edited their Wikipedia page to include their current members, and they've got Tom Rayalt, who's the singer, Brad Rayalt, who's the bass player, John Strider, who plays rhythm. Um, you've got Mike Prizigoda. I have it's a very like Polish name. Uh, lead guitar, uh, Jono Diner, who is the drummer, and then they have this guy Tom Cieslik, who is listed as third unnecessary guitar slash tambourine. He's so, their he's their uh, boss tones ganking on stage. Yeah, so it's great. I I love I love that. And then um and so they've also got some guys like the former members were in Outbreak and stuff like that too. In another breath, so they had some folks that were kind of listed with those bands, hmm. Static Radio, Static Radio, NJ, and all that. But the other that. part too, yeah, I just learned that just now in that in that moment. I learned that with you. So look, we're on the same pedestal. We're on the same playing field. Now, uh, what I really like about this band though is like they have really. I just think interesting lyrics. So I'm going to take a snippet from the song Tundra Kids off of Canyoneer, which is about um, an exploration where they they go through a frozen tundra and they're having to survive. So um, one of my favorite lyrics is uh, we press on, we press on. I'm guessing that we're close. I see some Eskimos lost six or seven toes. And I can finally say that we'll never make it home. Like it's about freezing to death. Um, Um, It's Inuit. Okay. I'm just reading Get the it? lyric from 2006. Right. With the lyric is your, from 2006. You're on notice. Listen, I'm not I'm not doing that revisionist history bullshit. This is what <laughs> happened in 2006. I don't call him that. Okay? Anyway, my point is is that their songs are interesting. They're fun. They're a good listen. They're just a great easy mellow like just upbeat listen for somebody who is looking for something that's like good punk rock. So go listen to all of no triggers discography. Go listen to adult braces. Go listen to tycoon. Go listen to Canyoneer. All of it's great. Yeah. They're fun band fast. Yeah. Sing along really well. Six or seven toes. (laughs) High quality shit. Yeah. Okay. Well, I picked another record uh, for my number two. Oh yeah. What is it? The record is called the devil is my friend. By a guy named Henry Derek Ellis. Okay. Okay. I posted this on our Instagram like a week or two ago. I did see that. It was the one with the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cover is a dog with, standing in front of a spooky old church, and he has a severed hand in his mouth like a bone. Oh. So basically, this is the first full length by Henry Derek Ellis. And I would describe it as sort of dark folk Americana for vampires and undead cowboys. Okay, as opposed to the new Lucero, which is Lucero in space. Lucero, what is it? What are you talking about? Lucero in space. They put out a new record, and it sounds like they fucking went to space. Really? It's bizarre. Uh, I don't know if I like that. I don't like it. Well... <clears throat> as far as this, this this solo project goes, it's it's I I dig stuff like this. You know, it's southern gothic. It's uh, it's very brooding and dark. The lyrics tell stories. It's got all kinds of uh. I, I would say, look, you know, I don't want to reduce it down to something like Tom Waits because Tom Waits is his own thing. But as you're listening to it, you might sometimes say like, oh, that sounds a little bit like Tom Waits. But Henry Derrick Ellis, this is his, uh, it's the third release he's done under his own name, the first full length. Before this, he was in a bunch of, like, metal bands. He was in Scar the Martyr with Joey Jordison. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Which I can't imagine sounds good at all. 
Um, he was in another band called Thrown Into Exile and Act of Defiance. I don't know what any of them sound like, but they shared former members with Megadeth and Shadows Fall, so obviously Oof. not good. Yeah, no thanks. He was in another band called Qualm, which is spelled all caps Q-A-A-L-M, so I'm not going to listen to it uh, because of that. <laughs> and they That's why were... you don't listen to Black Audio. Uh, yeah, no, I'm never going to do that. Never, no, 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 not ever. Uh, apparently, they were a Doom <laughs> band based in Los Angeles. Uh, not huge on Doom, and I hate the name, so I will not listen to it. But he went solo because this guy is actually incredibly talented. He's a multi-instrumentalist. You know, he sings, he plays banjo, mandolin, bass, organ, dobro, classical, uh, baritone, acoustic, and electric guitars. Guy's very talented. And uh-huh. uh, he did his first EP called Don't Look in September on September 14th, 2018. I think it was like six or seven songs. And it's very dark and it's very moody and atmospheric. And then he did this record, The Devil Is My Friend, which I've been listening to a lot. And it's fantastic. I mean, it's got elements of country. It's got elements of uh, blues, uh, just very dark. So- but, but it's all very dark and brooding you know i think the first song if i'm remembering correctly the first song is describing him murdering uh, somebody his girlfriend probably that sounds aggressive yeah but i mean it's it's it, it's in line with the vibe of the album yeah this is a little thing i pulled off his website just because i was running late on my notes tonight but back in 2018 describing the ep don't look which sounds very similar to the record i'm talking about the devil is my friend um, this fucking journalist, this dickhead Rolling Stone journalist, <laughs> not, I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't like them. Uh, he said this about it. He said, Ellis delivers this haunting minor key barn burner, like a carnival barker who's gone horse framing his Tom Waits-ish growl. So there you go. There's the comparison with swirls of fiddle and pedal steel, a Southern Gothic standout from his new release. So there you go it's it's definitely something that you know it's not meathead knuckle dragger music i do dig stuff like this and i like the fact that the guy comes from the world of metal even though i probably wouldn't like his bands and he sort of uh, has that not the same vibe but it's still a very dark vibe that goes with it because that makes it just that much more interesting to me it's like how nurgle from behemoth has that band me and that man have you heard them no, yeah, I haven't heard it's, them. It's, 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 I think it's very cool that he's branching out into other forms of music. Not doing it under the behemoth name as a callback to fucking Blacklisted last week. <laughs> See, had right, a right, sense right, right. to start another band for a new sound. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But at any rate, I would highly recommend this if you want kind of like a mellow uh, listen. The Devil is My Friend by Henry Derrick Ellis. He just released um the all the pretty horses ep so cormac mccarthy reference and it's only four songs but they have he has this really haunting cover of dancing with myself and <laughs> i didn't think i'd like it but it's really good okay uh, another way i, I like could, shit like that yeah it's really cool another way that i could describe it is when i listen to it i get the same feeling as when i watched the first season of true detective Oh, okay. Like we talked about this when, uh, like this kind of vibe when we were talking about like pygmy lush and stuff. Yeah, and and like I, one of the bands I've talked about on here before, the Handsome Family. They did the theme for the first season, but are all their records are really really good. But at any rate, yeah. Henry Derrick Ellis, The Devil Is My Friend. It's a really cool record, and you should check it out. All right, I I, I like shit like that, so um, I will I will give it a I will give it a spin. Yeah. 
All right, so does that mean we're at number ones? Number ones. My number one is uh, something I would make an argument about that's 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 fairly wholesome, but I feel like maybe it's an acquired taste, and I'm not sure how most people feel about this. So I, if you don't know me, I love candy. I love so much candy, and chocolate specifically. I will eat all the chocolate that I can get my hands on. Yeah, especially those Cadbury jizz eggs. Dude, it's such bad news. I will eat that shit so... I will eat like eight of... I will eat a dozen of those eggs at a time and not even feel it. Like, make me an omelet. Give me that shit. The fuck is wrong with you? Anyway, my point is this. Is that there are very few places that do candy right. And that do chocolate well. I mean, I have I have gotten into a space... Like, I try not to be bougie about shit. Like, I'm not picky about chocolate. Like, I'll eat chocolate. Like... I won't eat a Tootsie Roll because that's not chocolate. That's chocolatey, right? Do you remember working at Starbucks and when they changed the recipe for the double chocolate chip frappuccino because it didn't have all the ingredients that were that were required to call it chocolate, so they had to call it double chocolatey? I don't remember that now. I was gone by then. Oh. I resigned in disgrace. Yeah, and that shit was stupid. Like, like they basically got into a legal tiff, and they had to change the name of a product because it didn't have all the ingredients required to legally call something that tasted like chocolate chocolate so they had to call it a double chocolatey chip frappuccino and did you have were you told to refer to it as such yeah that's <laughs> so annoying it's yeah just... they changed it on the menu they changed it in the in the in the in the pos they changed it in everything anyway my point and my... those fucking starbucks crazy like they've all drank the kool-aid you know it's mm-hmm. like it's chocolatey chip they would i guarantee you that's the type of thing that they would correct their coworkers on yeah oh my god take a fucking gasoline can to that place yeah that's a that's also the same store that um i poured hot coffee on my brand new tattoos so um <laughs> that place was the fucking worst um <gasps> anyway <gasps> <gasps> so uh anyway my point what, what i'm getting at here is that there is definitely a difference between like good chocolate and then like uh like that shitty chocolate that you buy at Publix. that's like what brax or whatever um, like nobody White likes that trash chocolate. Nobody likes that bullshit hots. So I, my number one is a local place, but a specific candy that they have. So my number one is a place called angel and Phelps chocolate here in Daytona Ooh. beach. When was the last time you went in there? Oh God. Long fucking time, dude. I'm telling you, do yourself a favor. Stop in there. <laughs> Stop in there. Get you some truffles. Stop in there. Get you some chocolate covered peanuts or whatever you like but i recommend specifically the chocolate covered seafoam candy mikey have you ever had seafoam candy i can't say that i have do you like toffee yeah yeah i do you know i do i always get the heath bar and the dairy queen blizzard okay so so let me blow your mind for a second so imagine imagine biting into a heath bar without breaking your teeth I've never had that problem with it, but you have little dolphin teeth, so I, I I do. I have little baby teeth. I'm so fragile. So I have like for my giant. No, here's the thing. I don't have little dolphin teeth. I have normal sized teeth. I just have a giant head. And you have the you have the bite power of like a great white shark. Yeah, yeah, but I just have very tiny, tiny, tiny teeth. 
Um, it is it is a, an ailment that I've been made fun of my entire life, so I appreciate that. Like everybody <laughs> makes fun of my tiny teeth. So anyway, I have a hard time eating Heath bars because I have sensitive teeth and I cannot bite into pure solid toffee. Imagine if that toffee was aerated. Mm. So I mean, I, if it's the same, if it tastes comparable, I would definitely eat it. It does taste comparable. If you if you're not familiar with it, it's literally uh, basically what they do is they take like a brown sugar uh, and they make it's called sponge candy. You'll hear it called sponge candy or honeycomb. Um, you'll hear it cover, call it kind of called all of those things. Um, but really, all it is is like this kind of aerated caramel toffee, and it's like smothered in chocolate, like it's dipped in chocolate. And you, I eat like I could eat like a whole bag of this, which is like a fifteen dollar bag. I can eat like a whole bag of it, like. In one sitting because it's that good. Um, it's got like a nice little salt flavor, um, like kind of like almost like a salted caramel type of flavor, toffee type of flavor. Uh, but it's easy to chew because it's not solid and I can chew it. So it's like it's like somebody pre-chewed my my chocolate for me. Um, now, if you want to buy this pre-packaged without going to Angel and Phelps, if you're somewhere that does not have an Angel and Phelps, um, you can buy these chocolate bars that Nestle makes. It's like an English version of this. It's called a crunchy. If you've ever had a crunchy, it's the same exact thing where it's like this, like kind of aerated toffee. It's covered in good chocolate um, and it's just delicious. So uh, my number one is eating good chocolate, but specifically seafoam candy from Angel and Phelps. Isn't it strange that, you know, I guess we would consider Angel and Phelps kind of a high end place. And it's right here in Daytona. (laughs) Yeah. Well, do you remember going on like tours? Did you ever go? No, on a no. Tour I there? went to Catholic school. They didn't take us there. They just beat us and locked us oh, in yeah. closets. And the father would grab our asses. Yeah, I forgot chocolate to sin. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a it's a it's a controlling mechanism of Satan. So yeah, uh, I get it. You got it. Yeah, that's it. I will sell my soul for that shit. Yeah. No, no. It's weird because like it's not a big store. Like when you go in there now, like I remember when I was little, being like, "We're going to the chocolate factory. This is real. This is awesome." Um, and it's like literally like a fucking. It's no bigger. It's no bigger than like McKay's. Like it's the yeah. place is not big at all. It's a very like it's a it's like smaller that the the storefront's smaller than a Seven Eleven. Yeah, yeah. And 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 then yeah, it's just it's there's not a lot to it, but it's delicious. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to trail off. I was imagining you in uh, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, <laughs> just stomping through, crushing Oompa Loompas underfoot. Yeah. I, Where's the chocolate? Like all the all the horrible ways those kids died, you'd just be tearing down the insides of the chocolate factory. They they would have the Oompa Loompas trying to like like usher me into the the room where Mike TV was shrunk to get me back down to a normal size. It'd be like fucking Gulliver's Travels. They're trying to strap you down. <laughs> They're like using licorice and shit. <laughs> it's like, get the Twizzlers. Like, that's the only way they could like lock me down. And I'm like, all they, literally all they have to do is just bring in like a, a, a truckload of chocolate. I'd be like, sorry, I'm, I'm good. I'll sit here. I'll, I'll sit here the whole tour. Like, I don't need fizzy lifting drinks or like licking wallpaper. Fuck that shit. Just give me like good chocolate. I don't care about, I don't care about fruit candy. I don't care about hard candy. Don't give me that bullshit. The only good hard candy is Werther's originals. I believe, I think we've had this, this argument before. I love chocolate, but I like fruit candy too. How do you not like a starburst? Cause first of all, they're not vegetarian, but second of all, they're bullshit. Well, here we go with this again. The only, the only good Starburst is the pink Starburst. Yeah, they're None delicious. of the other ones taste good. That's but that, but like they why? All taste, they all taste like fruit. They all taste good. 
I know no. you're saying I just like the pink. You could say you like the I, pink the most. I will just eat fruit. If I want that kind of bullshit, I will just eat you're gonna fruit. You're going to rip your goddamn teeth out eating fruit, man. <laughs> that's that's what's keeping my teeth strong. Is the calcium from the oranges that I eat. Oh, Raw. Well, this has been enlightening. And the mm. lemons that I chew. <laughs> you're fucking I have all my enamel. century pirate trying to not mm-hmm. get scurvy. I haven't had scurvy my entire life, so I, I'm I, at this point in time. I was really sick on Sunday, like I like took two naps, um, and I'm not sure if it was from the nail that I stepped on or I was just <laughs> sick. But what I've realized is that at 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 this point in time, I'm 35 and nothing has killed me yet. I'm I'm immortal, is what I've come down to. We talked about this last week. Did you ever get your foot looked at? No. Nope. You just have a hole in your foot. So, God, you are a fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> what I did was I ate chocolate instead. I laid in bed and I was sick and I ate chocolate. That's and like I watched... that, okay. This is like the type of shit that used to enrage me about Pat from Axis, our our friend. Uh-huh. Yeah. For anyone who's listening, the Kramer of the group. I mean, this is a kid who, like, when I was around him, I got dumber. And it's not because Pat's a dumb person. He would just make poor decisions. Could we agree on that? Yeah, I would agree on that. Pat's a fantastic guitarist. He's a great songwriter. He's very deeply funny. And he's very knowledgeable about metal. But, like, in certain common sense things, he has the abilities of a child. <laughs> and he, I remember one time, we. Th- this is what precipitated this, okay? He, he used to sleep in the attic of this house. And there was uh-huh. no screen on the window. It was like a converted attic. And he opened, the, he left it open, and he wakes up with a tick stuck to his stomach. And then he fucking falls out of bed. He falls halfway down the stairs, and he has he has his sister like carve it out of his stomach instead of burning uh-huh. it out. And then he just leaves it there with a bandage. And he had like an infect. We thought he had fucking Lyme disease. Yeah. And he didn't care. He's just like, oh, I guess I got Lyme disease. We're like, you're sleeping for twenty hours a day. You need to go to the doctor. Yeah, I'm, but I woke up the next day and I was fine. That's that's my point. Here's my point is this. My point is this is it's like my theory about all this stuff is always confirmed. Why would I go to the doctor for something that they can't fix when I feel better the next day? Because that's what happens to me. Like I don't poisoning. I probably do, but I also fought it off because I am uh, intensely strong. Okay. Well, let's. I'm. I'm just. I'm plowing through getting this over with. All right. Number one. <laughs> my number one. Uh, last weekend, I went to the Volusia Mall. Mm-hmm. Have you been to the Volusia Mall lately? Uh, is that the one that has a bunch of places like Buckleby and then like uh, like three journeys now? It's just Buckle, but yes, you're oh. right. I don't know. It looks like a B. There's a B. There's an extra B there. It's the Buckle. Oh, uh, see what sense. they did there. Yeah, it's clever. Now, yes, if, if anyone's listening to this and they don't live in Florida, they don't live in Volusia County, they might say, how could you go to the mall right now? Well, I mean, everything's open uh, in, a, in a sense, and you know, I wear a mask. Mm-hmm. You know, Everybody in the mall was wearing a mask. I didn't see one person without a mask, which, you know, for Florida. That's, uh, that's a win. That's a pretty big win for Florida. Yeah, that's so a I, win. You know, I was saying to myself, you know, I went to the record store. Everyone wearing a mask there, too. I got some records at Atlantic Sounds. And I said, you know what? Go to the mall. Go to the mall. Get some sneakers. Uh-huh. I'm going to go buy some shoes, okay? Uh-huh. uh-huh. I go out to the mall. I go to five stores. This is what I hear. Now, we don't. We haven't gotten any new stock in a while, man. Now, we don't have that size. We, like, don't have anything. This is what they're telling me. Yeah. And I wasn't upset because I couldn't get sneakers. I don't care about that. But what I was hearing 
it was alarming to me. They don't, the stores aren't getting new stock. The stores aren't getting new stock because it can't get to them and they don't, they can't afford to pay for it mm-hmm. because the mall is dying Yeah, and no one's ready for it. That's my number one. Okay. Okay. I, I, I just, I sort of walked around the mall after that and I just started to think about how integral, like what a cornerstone that particular building has been in my life. Mm-hmm. I I hung out there as a kid. I got one. I got one of my my first really good job. I got there, and it's going away, man. Like yeah, all the stores drying up, blowing away, and it's. I think it's scary to think because because of COVID and the shutdowns, even here where we're like the least shut down of anybody. Yeah, all of our institutions. If this continues, all of our landmarks, whether they're personal or public, they're changing. And it may sound stupid, but I think just that one understanding that the mall is going away, we are hurtling towards a future that I don't know if we're ready for it. I know the mall seems like a silly thing. You know what I mean? It it seems like, oh, who gives a fuck if the mall shuts down? But think about what that means for the community. If the mall shuts down, all those restaurants around the mall go right. All that new construction out there, all that new stuff that was built, that goes, everything starts to go. The mall was the anchor that holds ISB together, or at least it used to be. Think of all the jobs going away. Cause what else is there to do in Daytona beach besides retail? You could work for the school system. You could work for the hospital you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, you could be a dentist. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, really, there's there's no other ways to really make it here. We don't have a big art scene. We don't have any sort of industry. I mean, there's a, there's a fucking Amazon uh, sh- fulfillment center, but nobody wants to work there. We've all seen that South Park. Right, right, right. There's going to be a lot of people out of work. And I mean, I know that people are like, well, there's people out of work right now. I was like, I know, I know, I understand that. But it's going to get worse as these things die off because they cannot sustain themselves. And $1,400 a month is not going to sustain themselves or the people that are going to lose their jobs. Yeah, it's a little it's a little weird. Like, uh, like I, I think about when we were growing up, there was the outlet mall. You know, and, uh, and, and I don't know, I don't know the last time you've been to the outlet mall, like been inside. Yeah. Yeah. Actually pretty recently because I was going to the DMV there. Is that where the DMV is now? There's a DMV branch there, but I couldn't get in because there was too many people. Oh, weird. I I didn't know that. Um, I I mean, the only reason I had even paid attention to that mall in my adulthood is because there's a gourmet kitchen there, but they opened a gourmet <laughs> kitchen like down the road. So like there's a greasy yeah. spoon breakfast diner, like literally across the street from where I live. So like, I don't need to, I don't need to go to the South Daytona mall anymore. But the, I think the last time I was there was to watch Evan wrestle. Yeah. So it's weird. It's, it's an empty building that used to be a mall. Yeah. That's not anymore. And then it, and the, the Daytona mall is like that, but the Volusia mall specifically is um, a whole thing. And to lose that would be, very strange. Well, I you know, I don't know if I'm making sense of what I'm saying. It's like I'm not upset that I couldn't buy sneakers. I'm not upset that like the convenience of going to get something. It it's more about it's a central gathering place. And it sounds so dumb to say it, but it is. It was where 
it was our it was it was my base of operations for years when I worked there and we, you know yeah. when we lived around it the outlet mall too that was my backyard I learned to drive in the parking lot I learned to skate in that parking lot and it's not even just the nostalgia of it we're getting rid and and I, I say we but it's the decisions are being made for us these central places these public hubs under the guise of oh it's unhealthy to be there they're starting to go away and what I'm saying is. I'm six feet away from everybody all the time fucking anyway because I don't need anyone near me. And if I got to <laughs> wear a mask, if I got to wear a mask out there, I do it. I will. I'm not going to complain about that. Right. But it worries me because I see it every day. The next generation, and I know people have been saying this for years. They say it about every, pre- every generation that's coming up. But what I'm seeing is a generation, and it's not their fault. I'm not blaming them. But they're incredibly aloof. They're withdrawn. They're introverted. Even the best ones have some of those tendencies. And all of this is going to reverberate. This is their, these are their formative years. And I've seen the performance at school and how it has seriously tanked. Everybody has given up. It's not, yeah. This is not helping. And I feel like this is the, the slide towards the fucking Matrix jar. They're going to get rid of the public spaces. And I'm not even trying to be conspiratorial. It's just going to happen, you know? Right. There's going to be, I mean, sitting down at a restaurant is going to probably be a thing of the past. That scares the shit out of me. And it's not because it's like, I've got to stuff my face with chicken wings. It's because it's a thing to do. It gets you up and moving. It's a human thing to gather. Right. Even if you don't want to fucking be around people, you're in a right. building with others. And it, I, I don't know, man. I walked around the mall after I tried to buy I tried to buy a pair of Jordans, and they didn't have them. The only pair of shoes I could have bought were these $170. Uh, they were Air Max. Uh, what were they? They were 95s. They were fucking dope. But I didn't want to spend $170. <laughs> yeah. It was the only shoe they had in my size, and it, coincidentally, it was one I wanted. It was just super fucking expensive. But I walked around the mall, and everything's closed, man. Macy's I went okay this is the last thing I'll say because I know I'm sort of beating this point into the ground I'm sure other people have seen this happen in their towns uh, but I guess you you know in a, in a way we were lucky here because we didn't get fully locked down in a way I know that's a double-edged sword right but Macy's is closing uh-huh so I go it's a big signs oh big sale at Macy's I'm like hey okay man I get some new shirts for work yeah well what's the big deal I'll go into Macy's and walk around right Going to Macy's, fucking 60% off. The shirt's still 60 bucks. I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> but I went upstairs because, I, I, you know, truth be told, I had to take a piss. And I'm not getting Sears is closed. Right. And, and, and I, didn't, I wouldn't have gone to the Sears bathroom anyway because that's where everybody was blowing each other like 10 years ago. So I don't go into Sears bathroom. Right, right. Sears yeah, bathroom we avoid that. Open. The whole scandal. It's like you don't go in there. People think you're uh, going to sit down and tap your foot on the floor. Um, I go upstairs to Macy's. It's empty, bare walls, bare hmm. floors. It used to be like beds and stuff up there. It was housewares. Yeah. And it was crazy because like it was like a t- I stepped back in time because you could look down at the carpet now that it's fully revealed. Uh-huh. That's, the, that's the carpet from the fucking 90s, man. You look at the walls, <laughs> you could see the outlines of things that had been there for over two decades. Yeah. Gone. They're like this hasn't been painted since they redid them all in like 94 and you That's see crazy. all the all the stuff's taken away you see all the staff doors everything's just sort of discolored and i, I was I, I walked around up there and i was just like so fucking depressing 
what's going to become of this space? What's going to happen to it? Who's going to move in here? What's going to, what are we going to do with it? Right. It's huge. Yeah. It's a lot of space. It's a lot of space to do nothing with. And that huge parking lot. I don't know, man. The day they demolish that mall, I'm going to be sad. I really am. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you make a point. Like you you know, your point is that it's not, it's not the mall. Right, it's not it's the not mall. The that's the thing. It's, it's not the stuff you can buy. It's 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 the it's like like you said. It's like the hanging out. It's like the stuff that we did around the malls. That it's like having that as being like our hangout. Like that was a big part of us growing up. So I get I get that. Like it's like it's like to I I don't know. I mean, there's a, there's a couple different things like that. Like the Port Orange Six movie theater that's gone. Like yeah. it's like losing stuff like that where you're like you spent so much time in these places. And you can never go back to those places. Well, and it's also like you take for granted that those things will be around forever. And I guess it's not just that our mall's going, but it's that like all malls, movie yeah. theaters, those standbys of, of our, I guess, our life. You know, maybe it sounds overprivileged. Maybe I sound out of touch like, oh, the movie theater's going, mall's going. You know, some people don't have a fucking house. I get that. I'm just speaking on what I know. But right. I don't know. As as far as that, you know, I, I, I hope it doesn't come to pass like that. I, ho- I hope we can come out of the tailspin. You know, I have hope as much as I sound like a negative person. But what I said about the kids, I want to reiterate that I know it's not their fault. It's, it's our generation's fault. And I'm not saying you because you raised your kids right. But a lot of people our age had kids and they just they're fucking terrible with them. And I see it every day. And it's not the kid's fault that they've been raised that way, that they're just sort of a lump that is locked into this digital world. It's society. It's their, you know, home life. Right. I had a thought, and I guess this is actually the last thing I'll say. Remember how we kind of rebelled against our parents? Like, yeah, our parents are boomers, Uh, not in the horrible way, but they're baby boomers. Yeah. And, and even though we both always had pretty decent relationships with our parents, we went the other way. Right. Well, your parents are boomers. My parents are like Gen X. Oh, that's true. Your parents are younger than mine. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I love my parents. I have a great relationship with them, but they wanted me to, you know, immediately college. They wanted me to do this. They wanted me to do that. And I went my own way and I did punk rock for 15 years, you know, before yeah. I got my shit together. I'm saying to myself, well, the kids that these kids are going to eventually have, what if that's, that's the hope? What if they turn it around? What if yeah. they look at their parents like, mom, why are you always on your fucking phone or you're always on your head chip? I'm not getting that fucking head shit. I'm gonna start a fucking band, and that's like yeah. In in twenty uh twenty thirty five things turn around. Yeah, punk is back. No, I like I like I like that idea. I mean, because I think that I think that makes sense. Like you know, you've got like uh like yeah, I, you know, I, I think there is something valuable about like some of the stuff that the generation that, that is coming up is finding valuable. Like I'm I'm kind of like. Um, you know, as I'm talking to Riley and kind of getting to know her as like a, like a, a, a for like becoming an adult, because that's what she's doing at this point in time. Like yeah. I'm learning that she is very, like, she's very advanced for her age. Like the stuff that she knows and the stuff that she's aware of and like how, like, I don't want to say woke. Cause I don't think that's the right term, but I think that she is very like sensitive to those things in the world, like that are going to make her a better human, like a better member of the race. I think that she, like the human race, I think that she will be good for that. Um, and then, like, there's some things where I'm like, oh, you don't have any social skills. Like, it's great that you're, like, informed, but you don't know how to talk to people. And, like, you're anxious about, like, ordering food somewhere. Like, that's a, that's a different issue, right? Like, so, like, there's these weird, interesting, like, splinter skills where people will adapt. And I'm just kind of interested to see where it goes. Like, to me, it's very – it's fascinating. 
Yeah, I guess you have a more positive outlook on it. But, yeah, the spaces that we take for granted, they're going away. And I don't think we're ready. I All know right, I'm that's not. That's a great, great number one. That's a really great way to finish this list. <laughs> there you go. All right. You ready to run run this down? Run it. Run it over. Right. Run it down. <laughs> like a dog. <laughs> Number five, new research. Read a bunch of words that nobody understands and feel smart. Number four, clutch, robot hive exodus. Tipping cows and feels Elysian. Uh, number three, how to rethink human behavior. This book is not here to fuck spiders. Number two, no trigger. You're going to think that you figured it out. And number one, seafoam candy slash crunchies slash angel and Phelps. Treat yourself to something indulgent and shaped like something that isn't chocolate, like an alligator or a seashell. Uh, number five, yet another moron is dead because everyone's obsessed with whether, with whether their kid has a dick or not. <laughs> number four, Power Trip by Monster Magnet. I was born underwater. I dried out in the sun. I started humping volcanoes, baby, when I was too young. I started surfing the madhouse, and I decided to stay. I got an inch in my cosmic pocket, and it won't go away. <laughs> number three, The Little Things. For once, Rami Malek's butthole eyes have a reason to look so haunted. Number two, Henry Derrick Ellis would definitely make it onto the Yellow King's mixtape for his cousin wife. Number one, the mall is dying and I am filled with existential dread. You know, you, you think you're ready for it, but just watch how many couples go ahead and murder suicide the next time they need a new comforter set and there's nowhere to get it. You're not ready. <laughs> All right. Well, this was cheery, and I'm so glad that we do this every week. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, is there any? I'm here to tell the truth. <laughs> that that's it. You are you are very much so a truther. So anyway, not a real truther. I guess like a life I'm truther. I'm an oracle. Yeah, that's probably a, that's probably it. Uh, I, you you have you have noble over your eyes. All right, I'm more like a boracle. <laughs> oh. uh, pow! Got him. Bah, bah, bah. I wish I had my rap horn right now. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I have that on my phone. It's great. Um, all right. So you want to shout out the Patreons? Patrons. All right. Michael Osborne, Sam Parnum, Laura Crosby, Kate Neal, Amelia Andrews, Matthew Fisher, Jessica Crane, Mario Cipriano, Christian Purley, Nancy Crozier, and Emily Lawson. Thank you all. Yay! <laughs> Yes, you have made our taxes infinitely more complex. <laughs> but we appreciate you either way. Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. So is there anything else you want to let everybody know about right now in this moment? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm filled with sadness and fear, but, you yeah. know. All right. That's cool. Um, Okay, well, if that's the case, then we can just wrap it up here. So if you want to find us on Instagram, um, you can email us. At, or I'm sorry, I guess you can find us at I Don't Want to Hear a Pod. Um, you can find us on Twitter at IDWChat. 
IDWHI podcast. You can find us on Facebook at I Don't Want to Hear It Podcast. You can email us at oldpunksvstheworld at gmail.com. Um, we are still accepting submissions for the um, Florida Anthology. We have a name and a, and a book cover for it, so we're really excited about that. Um, and we had some really great submissions, so I'm, I'm excited to see um, how that turns out. Um, I think we have 10 authors now uh, for it, which is really cool. Um, so if you're interested, you're a Florida writer and you want to submit a poem or a short, short story, um, for us to review and possibly publish, um, uh, we are paying the authors. So that's a cool thing. Um, you can email it to us at WNDpress at gmail.com, or you can check out our website at WNDpress.com where you can check out our books. You can buy our books. Um, there's new books coming very soon, which is cool. Yeah. And if you go over to, I don't want to hear a podcast.com, click the link. It came from the beach to check out all our old bands, pictures, videos, music, the whole, the whole nine. And make sure you check the episode notes for links to all the bullshit that we screamed about. Yeah. So that is going to do it for us today. And we will be back next week with another episode. So until then, and I this week and good night, Taco Bell, Joe, wherever you are. What if, what if Taco Bell Joe worked in the Taco Bell in the mall? Uh, he'd be out of a job soon. Yeah, that's. I mean, there is no Taco Bell in the mall anymore. Was there ever one? There was. It was. Remember where McDonald's used to be? When you walked into the food oh, court, yeah, it was there for like twenty years. Then they changed it to a Taco Bell, and then it went away. That's not accurate. Yeah, it is. No, it was a Cinnabon. We never had a Cinnabon. That's bullshit. Yes, we did. We never ever had a cinnabon i'm gonna call my mom right now okay i know we i know we had a cinema we had a cinnabon i contend that we didn't and i spent a lot of time there i also spent a lot of time there we can never afford cinnabon i always wanted cinnabon we can never afford it because um unlike you my gen x parents like to blow all their money on partying speaking of partying uh at the uh, nature's table uh-huh. remember nature's table yeah well it's just like a dark it's just a dark booth now <laughs> is nature's table gone yeah it's gone oh totally gone no more vegan chili for you but uh one time i watched a friend of ours who shall remain nameless uh do a couple of lines of coke in his boss's office back there <laughs> oh that makes sense so, yeah it's all the stuff you used to get into when you worked at the mall you know you'd feud with hot topic you'd feud with abercrombie throw gum at him you know yeah it was an adventure. I heard a story one time that Sabaros had like a human piece of shit, like literally on laying on their salad, um, like somebody shit on the salad, um, and it was in the display. Somebody shit on the coats. <laughs> it was uh, a, it's a very strange story. I don't know how it happened. Well, we'll get into some strange shit <laughs> on the Patreon episode. Talk among us coming soon. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. Bye.